Today on the Matt Wall Show, a hardcore porn star gets booted from an event for conservative teens, and many conservatives have a problem with this for a variety of ludicrous reasons. We'll discuss also five headlines. Protests once again turn violent at We Spa in Los Angeles when Antifa shows up to defend a man's right to disrobe in the women's locker room. Also, CNN gets called out live on the air by a CNN guest, and it's pretty glorious. We'll play that for you. And Kamel Harris says it is your biblical duty to get vaccinated. Plus, in our daily cancellation, we'll talk about the ever-growing, inappropriately named child-free movement. Child-free movement, they call it. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Before we get started here today, I want to tell you very important information about uh, our sponsor, Relief Band. You know, I have struggled with motion sickness, car sickness my entire life. I can think back to being a kid, you know, sitting in the back of the van on long car trips, vacations, a couple of occasions, vomiting all over the place. The whole, the whole van reeks of vomit. This is more information than you need. And if it's making you nauseous hearing all this information, that's why you need Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraine, hangover, morning sickness, uh, too, inf- too much information from a podcast host, many other uh, sources. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. The technology was originally uh, developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now it is available to the masses through Relief Band. You can ensure that nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's important, important moments by going to reliefband.com. Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Matt Walsh listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Walsh, you'll, you'll get 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. Go to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com for use promo code Walsh for 20% off. You know, if I wanted to demonstrate the dire state of conservatism today, I would probably need to only point to this one fact. There is a woman who calls herself a conservative porn star, and she has legions of quote-unquote conservative fans, including prominent conservatives in media. Brandy Love is her name. She's 48 years old, somehow making the whole thing even more embarrassing and pathetic. And along with posting hardcore porn online, including on Twitter, where users as young as 13 can easily access it, She's also fashioned herself as a champion of the conservative cause, in which role she has authored a few editorials that have been published by The Federalist. I don't know. I'm not aware of any other conservative activism she's done, but there's that. Now, I was unaware of this person's existence, blissfully so, I might add, until this past weekend when controversy was ignited by Brandy Love's attendance at Turning Point USA's Student Action Summit, TPUSA, that's Charlie Kirk's organization, And this is their uh, conference that they do every year for students. That's why they call it the Student Action Summit, right there in the name. Now, Love, a real name Tracy Livermore, initially showed up at the press conference, at the uh, conference rather, for conservative high school and college students with a VIP badge. The impression that this gave, of course, and the way it was reported on social media and by some outlets like Newsweek, is that she was specifically invited or welcomed by TPUSA, and that's why she had the VIP badge. Now, that wasn't the case. She purchased the VIP ticket, showed up on her own accord, and began posting to her Twitter Twitter page. In between photos of her genitals and so forth, there were also pictures of her walking around the event, posing in front of Fox News banners, and expressing her enjoyment at being around so many, uh, quote, young conservatives. 
TPUSA, however, did not enjoy having her as much as she enjoyed being there. Once the event uh, organizers realized who she was and what she did and why she was there, they kindly asked her to leave. And this is how they explained that decision to Newsweek. This is what they said. Quote, Turning Point USA, uh, this is according to the uh, TPUSA spokesman. Turning Point USA did not block Miss Love from its student event because of backlash. TPUSA did so in keeping with its standard operating procedures to not involve porn brands, influencers, or personalities that post or publish sexually explicit and pornographic content. A few concerned parents rightly alerted us to the extremely pornographic nature of her social media posts, and event leadership immediately took the appropriate steps in keeping with the best interests of the minors present at the event. Furthermore, Miss Love purchased an adult VIP ticket. She was not invited, nor was her attendance somehow requested by the organization. The bottom line is that it is simply not appropriate for a porn star to be actively posting images at an event with 15 and 16-year-olds present in conjunction with graphic pornography. TPUSA makes no apology for this, a position which should not be controversial, especially when minors are involved. Parents deserve this type of assurance, and TPUSA intends on giving them that confidence. Any controversy is purely contrived. All right, that's the whole statement. Everything that you just heard there could not possibly be more reasonable. They're holding an event for conservative teenagers. They don't wish to welcome a VIP guest who is actively in the hardcore porn business and who will post images of herself at the event alongside images of her vagina. They also don't wish to become a forum for a cyber prostitute, which is what a porn star is, to directly promote her business to minors or to anyone else at their event. This is, again, a conservative conference for students. Tracy Livermore put them in an uncomfortable position by choosing to show up without any warning, without asking, without checking with them first. And the embarrassment of getting kicked out on her ass is therefore her own fault. You don't even have to be anti-porn to understand the basic concept here and to recognize who the bad guy in the situation is. But many on the right have struggled to understand this. Although Livermore is clearly 100% to blame, and TPUSA did absolutely nothing wrong and conducted itself well in this case, still so many conservatives felt otherwise. The, the, the organization is being attacked today from the right for daring to make a 48-year-old hardcore porn star feel unwelcome at their event for conservative teens. Prominent conservatives have jumped on the, uh, the dog pile as well. B ben Dominish, who's the co-founder of The Federalist, he's also the husband of uh, Meghan McCain, he tweeted, quote, I'm disappointed that TPUSA kicked out Brandy Love for no reason whatsoever. She's a Florida conservative businesswoman who loves America. The right has an opportunity to be the big tent party. Don't be a bunch of prudes. Businesswoman doing a lot of work in that sentence, I think. Nick Searcy, who's a conservative actor with a large following, also defended Livermore, arguing that um, you aren't being like Jesus if you agree with TPUSA on its decision. Apparently, Jesus thinks that 48-year-old hardcore porn stars should totally be VIP guests at conferences for teenagers. At least we should say Nick has made that assumption about Jesus Christ and is comfortable putting those words into his mouth. These arguments were echoed on social media by many on the right, including Livermore herself, where she spent the following day or two painting herself as the victim, complaining about how she was treated, uh, quoting the Bible in her own defense, and uh, arguing that conservatives who oppose pornography or the attendance of a pornographer at a conservative student conference are jackasses, fools, prudes, etc. 
She also posted more pictures of her genitals. So in between quoting the Bible, she's posting pictures of her genitals. No problem there. Now, let's try to um, sort through this and inject a little bit of sanity into the proceedings if we can. And to that end, a few points I think need to be made. Number one, to reiterate, just considering the business and PR concerns here alone, it is perfectly understandable that a conservative activist group that works with minors would not want a woman with her porn star stage name on her VIP pass walking around the place, taking pictures, and meeting, quote, fans. If Livermore had any respect for anyone and cared about anything or anyone but herself, she would have contacted TPUSA ahead of time, anticipating the uncomfortable position she might be putting them in, and asked them if, if she could attend. She didn't take this step, and the fact that she didn't only proves that she couldn't care less how her presence impacts the event or the organization that's holding it which is just one more reason why that organization has no obligation to let her stay. Here's a basic concept. If you choose to make your living by having sex on camera and posting pictures of your genitals on social media, if that's how you choose, that's what you choose to do, you can't be offended when people don't want to be associated with you. It's not as though you were born a porn star. This isn't a genetic defect. It's not a biological identity. It's not your race or your ethnicity. No, I'm being discriminated against. No, people are reacting to your choices, sweetheart. You also aren't a desperate, poor, sex-trafficked 18-year-old. You're a 48-year-old woman who has chosen to make a lot of money this way, doing very well for yourself. You may say you have the right to prostitute yourself online for money, and you do legally, according to our laws at the moment. But uh, people and organizations also have the right to not want to associate with you. That doesn't make you a victim. Grow up. Number two, this all bleeds, I think, into a broader conversation about conservatism and, and what it stands for or doesn't stand for. And as this incident demonstrates, though we knew this already, um, there are some conservatives, many, I think, who think that uh, conservatism should embrace and defend the normalization of hardcore pornography. To a lot of conservatives today, uh, if, if you, not only should you defend hardcore pornography, but it's like absurd if you don't. It's ridiculous not to. You're just a prude. In fact, if you don't think that a hardcore porn star should be at an event for conservative 16-year-olds, you're a prude, according to conservatives. They don't think that being conservative should necessarily mean um, that, that, you know, we have to be critics of the porn industry or even of a porn star showing up at an event like this. Of course, 40 years ago, this would not have been a discussion. You wouldn't have been able to find any self-proclaimed conservative anywhere who would defend hardcore porn in principle as a thing fully in keeping with conservative values. As just a legitimate form of business, that's all. Now, many conservatives will do just that because the left has shifted the whole culture in its direction so thoroughly and dramatically that conservatives will adopt radically leftist positions while imagining that they're opposing the left in the process. You might con compare it, I guess, to the situation encountered by early Arctic explorers attempting to reach the North Pole. They, they would walk for miles imagining that they're going north, but the ice beneath them was drifting south. 
So they were going one way while the ground they stood on went the other. Well, in our culture, the ground we stand on stand on drifts ever left, which means that if your version of being right wing is simply to be slightly to the right of what qualifies right now as left wing, then you will at best be the right wing of the left wing, which is what a lot of the people on the right really are. They are the right wing of America's left wing. That's why you got to be philosophically and ideologically grounded in something deeper. If, if, all, if, if, if your grounding doesn't go any deeper than the ice you're standing on, then when that whole chunk is shifting, you're shifting along with it. Along with the cultural tide. Um, all of the conservatives who imagine that they're conserving something while embracing what, what would have been considered radical by the left 20 years ago are evidence of this problem. Here's the point. The normalization of sexual degeneracy is a leftist position. And, I, and I, in fact, I'll amend that a little bit. It's not only a leftist position. It is, in fact, the principal leftist position. It's the main thing that they're trying to do. It's the primary thing that animates them is the normalization of sexual degeneracy. You cannot fight leftists while embracing their primary foundational doctrine. You're agreeing with them on the thing that they consider to be the most important thing which is the normalization of sexual degeneracy. And the idea that, you know, sexually you should be able to do whatever you want and live however you want, and uh, not only should, should you be able to, but it should be celebrated and accepted by everyone. You cannot fight the left. You can't really stand for anything, least of all freedom, or whatever you think you're standing for, if you've abandoned moral truth. If conservatism seeks to conserve anything, that's what it has to conserve, right? First and foremost, truth of all kinds, moral truth included, and biological truth, we should note. But when you look at what's happened in conservatism, even just over the last couple of months, we've had self-proclaimed conservatives embracing Caitlyn Jenner and self-proclaimed conservatives, a lot of them the same ones, uh, now saying, oh yeah, have hardcore porn stars at the, at the conservative events. Let's prove how cool we are. A total abandonment of moral truth and biological truth, of truth of all kinds. And then where are you left? What do you think you're doing exactly? What's the, ne what's the next step here? Okay, the goal is to, let's defeat the left. Step one, abandon moral truth. Step two, abandon biological truth. And then what? Victory? Okay, then we got step three, question marks, step four, victory. What goes in step three there? You've joined them. You've given them everything, you imbecile. You've given them everything they want. And you'll oppose them now because, uh, well, yeah, we've given them everything that matters. We've given them truth. We've given them morality. We've adopted their fundamental outlook on life. 
But we believe in lower taxes. What I would like for someone to do is explain. Break it down for me. What exactly are you conserving? What are you trying to conserve? If not truth, first and foremost. And if you can't come up with an answer to that, then I would suggest that you and I are not even on the same side. Now let's get to our five headlines. And uh, one last note on that. I should also mention that uh, Brandy Love, it has come to my attention, Tracy Livermore, Brandy Love, uh, sent out a tweet and and she said that that I have lost her. She said, Matt Walsh has, has lost me. Well, no, no, I, I didn't lose you because we, we were never on the same side as, at all. So there's no, there's no, there's no loss here. Oh no, I've lost the hardcore porn star. I've lost a 48 year old woman selling her body on the internet. What a, what a, what a great tragedy. All right. Um, let's go here. Number one, Michael Wolf, who's an author, uh, he was hawking his, I think his new anti-Trump book that he has out, uh, which I, which I have no interest in, but I do have interest in this. He was on CNN. And uh, with the uh, baked potato himself, Brian Stelter, uh, and it's kind of a long clip. But we're going to play the whole thing because this is this is just great. Um, he started attacking Brian Stelter and CNN right to his face on the air, and it's uh, simply wonderful. Let's watch. I think the media has done a terrible job on this. I think you yourself, um, you know, while you're a nice guy, you know, you're full of sanctimony. Um, you know, you become part of one of the parts of the problem of the media. You know, you come on here and you and you have a, um, um, uh, you know, a monopoly on truth. You know, you know exactly how things are supposed to be done. Um, you know, you are why one of the reasons people can't stand the media. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're cracking me up. It's your fault. I- you know, people have genuine problems with 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 the media. The media doesn't get the story right. The media exists in its mm. own bubble. Um, That's true. You know, I agree. You, you, yeah. uh, um, you know, you got to stop. I mean, that last segment that 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 I just had to listen to of all of the people saying the <laughs> same old stuff. Also, you're incredibly repetitive. It's week after week. I mean, you're the flip side of of of, of Donald Trump. Um, you know, fake news, and you say virtuous news. You know, there, there. No, there's we just a figure out what is here. real. I mean, yeah, we. Well, well, figuring out, yeah, figuring out what is real is not so is not so uh, is not so easy. And and right. you know, most people don't want to talk. Turn to Brian Stelter to tell us what's real. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, what what is with? Uh, first of all. The, they all do this. Kamel Harris does it. The laugh they all do when they're being called out or they're in an uncomfortable situation. Uh, the, the, ner- the nervous laughter. There goes a piece of paper. The nervous laughter with it, that they do. It's really awkward and it comes off. You know, it's one thing if you have nervous laughter is, is an instinct that people have. It's kind of a reflex. But the laughter you hear from, from Stelter there, just like with, with Harris... It's not a reflex. It comes off as as a, something intentional they're doing. A deflection. And I don't think it works in their favor. 
But, of course, everything that he said there, I don't think there's any further commentary needed to be added there. Uh, I think everything he said there was obviously correct. All right, next we have, there were more protests at uh, We Spa in Los Angeles over the weekend. People upset that the spa is uh, allowing men to show their penises to young girls. Uh, something that, uh, by the way, just give it a couple more years, and a lot of uh, conservatives are, are going to be defending this as well, if they're not already. Just just a few more years, probably by 2025 or so, if not sooner. I might be a little bit, uh, I'm being optimistic, thinking it'll take that long. You'll, you'll have conservatives saying, well, I mean, of course men can disrobe in front of uh, young girls in locker rooms, but not outside of the locker room. I, I, I'll put my foot down there. Go in the locker room and do that. And expose yourself. Well, only, only the left, only the degenerate leftists think that men can disrobe anywhere they want. No, no, no. You have to follow the women and the girls into the locker room and then disrobe. That's the conservative position. Uh, but as it stands right now, most people on the right are, seem to be on the same page. That um, men should not be exposing them themselves to uh, young girls or, or women uh, of any of any age. Um, and so that's the, the, the that's why the protests were happening. Antifa showed up and uh, got violent as always. And, and to say that Antifa showed up and things became violent is sort of redundant now, unnecessary. But this is how the media is covering this story. Uh, this is from The Guardian now. It says, dozens of people have been arrested in Los Angeles following a chaotic and at times violent demonstration by anti-transgender protesters who targeted a Koreatown spa that has a trans-inclusive policy allowing trans women to use the women's facilities. Saturday marked the second weekend of violent protests this month in the streets around We Spa, a neighborhood business that has found itself at the heart of a right-wing media storm over an alleged incident in which a customer filmed herself complaining about a trans woman in the women's area of the spa. The far-right protesters called for a boycott of uh, We Spa and chanted baseless claims about pedophilia as women carrying signs reading protect female spaces and it's worse in women's shelters marched alongside men wearing helmets and masks that covered their faces. Baseless claims of pedophilia. Well, you're, you're admitting in the article itself that men, you call them trans women, but they're men, um, are disrobing in the locker room, and there are young girls in there. So I, I wouldn't call this baseless at all. A man disrobing and uh, showing his genitals to a young girl, that's the sexual harassment of a young child. And yes, I would, I would, I would put that in the category of pedophilia. Not sure how else, to, how else to describe it. And it's not just this one woman. We should remember there's the woman who filmed herself complaining, and she's the one who sparked all of this because she took a stand courageously so. And I don't use that word lightly. To be in Los Angeles, of all places, uh, and to be a woman taking a stand against this, what well, we see how Antifa reacts to that. You're putting yourself in line for public shame. You're going to be accused of being a bigot and a transphobe and all this kind of stuff, and potentially even physical violence. So the woman who sparked all of this I think is a, tr is a true, she acted heroic. She's a true hero. She acted heroically. But she's not the only one. We also played uh, last week. There was another woman sharing her experience in the exact same spa. She said she was sitting in the, the hot tub with her six-year-old daughter. And none of the girls or women in the locker room are wearing clothing. This is a Korean spa. Korean spa is apparently what they do there. Uh, and then a man walks in 
takes his clothes off, you know, sitting on the edge of the hot tub, spreading his legs, showing his genitals to a six-year-old girl. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how else to categorize that, if not pedophilia. And she's not the only one. I also shared with you, going back to 2018, there was a Yelp review posted in 2018. It's not like this was posted yesterday, claiming that they have it. They posted in 2018 of someone sharing the same kind of experience and complaining about it. One into the locker room. There was a guy disrobing, talking about his sexual exploits with women. Um, and... So that's what's happening. But according to The Guardian and really almost everyone else in the media that's covered this, um, all of these women complaining, even though the second woman we mentioned with the second video, she was of a Democrat. She goes to gay pride parades, she said. But now they're all far right. If you don't want your six-year-old daughter to be exposed to a man's penis, then you're a far right protester. And a white supremacist, even. Read a little bit more here. It says, The chants and signs in Los Angeles on Saturday highlighted the convergence of anti-trans activism with other strains of far-right activism. Many demonstrators chanted, Save our children, a slogan taken up by QAnon conspiracy theorists. This is one of, this is one of the latest uh, innovations of media propaganda here. That save our children. People who speak out saying, Save our children, protect our children. Now that's... It's not just far right. That's a conspiracy. You're a QAnon conspiracy theorist if you want to protect our children. Which means that a lot of us, I mean, I, I guess I've been a QAnon conspiracy theorist way before QAnon existed. Go to the March for Life. Tons of signs with, with, with words to that effect of protect our children, save our children. Guess we were all pioneers. We, we invented Q, the QAnon conspiracy theory years before it even existed. Um, other demonstrators wore shirts pledging to murder left-wing activists with reference to right-wing death squads in Chile in the 1970s. This is the media's claim, by the way. That I, I'd like to see proof that that shirt was worn. According to multiple protesters, Arthur Shaper, the leader of the California chapter of an anti-LGBT hate group, arrived early to protest outside Wee Spa and took refuge behind a line of police officers as trans rights protesters heckled him. Um, it's, it's also interesting. Now, Lewis, Lois Beckett is a Guardian reporter. I'm not sure if she's the same one who wrote this report. But she was there and uh, uh, talking about her experiences. And she tweeted this. She says, just got thrown to the ground by right-wing anti-pedophile protesters as a crowd converged on me and chased me. They threw water at me and screamed about Jesus and said to grab my phone. Police would not let me through the police line, but after I got thrown on the ground, they did. Now, what's what's interesting there is uh, she also is using this phrase that, well, they're anti-pedophile protesters. And you're not? See, you're using anti-pedophile in a, in a, in a pejorative way. That's the tone here. <laughs> These far-right anti-pedophile protesters. Well, let me just say right now, as absurd as it is to brand this a right-wing position, I'll take it. As a member of the far-right myself, professedly so, I, I'll take that. If you want to give that to us, I'll take it. Sure. Yeah, we're, 
Okay, we're the anti-pedophile side. Fine. And you're not. I mean, we already know that, but if you if you want to just come out and admit that, then uh, then that's perfectly fine with me. At least we're, we're finally getting our cards on the table, I suppose, which is nice. All right, moving on here. Kamala Harris, uh, she had some thoughts over the weekend about vaccines and the Bible. Let's take a listen to that. I do believe that the act of getting vaccinated is the very essence, the very essence of what the Bible tells us when it says, love thy neighbor, right? Because what we know is one can ask, well, who is one's neighbor? Is it the person who lives to my left, lives to my right? I know them, may borrow a cup of sugar, right? Um, But what we know it means when we talk about love thy neighbor is that yes, it may be the person next door and it may be the man on the side of the road and it may be a perfect stranger. And in the face of that stranger, you see a friend. That's what this is about. And so by getting vaccinated, you are loving your neighbor. You know, if she's being honest, though, uh, if she's being totally honest, the Bible quote that really gets her message about vaccines across, the the Bible quote that, that really conveys um, her point about, about vaccines, I would say it's more maybe in Exodus, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the Bible quote. And, and that's, that's because that's what the government is saying to us. The government is God saying, we, 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 are, we are telling you to do this and that's why you should do it. You know, if they were serious about convincing people to get vaccinated, it's going to take For one thing, humility. Okay, it's going to take two things. You're going to have to actually take these objections seriously and treat them with respect. Treat the people with respect. And also demonstrate some humility. And both of these things, sincerity and humility, this is outside the grasp of someone like Kamala Harris or anyone in the Biden administration or any of these smarmy bastards in the media mocking those who haven't gotten vaccinated or accusing them of, of you know, being mass murderers and basically terrorists. That's not going to do it. If you really cared, you would drop that whole act completely. Spitting Bible quotes, especially coming from Kamala Harris of all people. Avidly pro-abortion. Huge fan of, 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 uh, of babies being slaughtered by the millions in the womb. This is not someone who cares what the Bible has to say. So if you really wanted to, that's what you would do. And you would start by saying, hey, listen. uh, A lot of public officials from the very beginning have not been honest about this. There's been been contradictory, uh, conflicting pronouncements that have been made about coronavirus from the very beginning. We made a lot of mistakes from the very beginning. We shut down whole businesses and industries that didn't need to be shut down. We foisted all this on our kids, which was unnecessary. We took them out of school, which we didn't need to do. We caused a lot of damage. And that's why people don't trust us. And and I don't blame them for not trusting us. They're not stupid for not trusting us. However, 
they should still get vaccinated because blah, blah, blah. And then you make your pitch. And you apologize for the way that this has been handled. You know, acknowledging that you have given people a reason not to trust you. That is the primary reason. The people who are not getting vaccinated um, either they have looked at the at the facts and just decided that this is not something they feel like they need. Oftentimes because they're not in a high-risk category for, for, for coronavirus. And so they figure, well, I just don't need this. Um, or, and, and maybe it's both of these things, they just don't trust any of the people on TV telling them to do it. And bringing in pop stars and juveniles saying, backs that ass up, that doesn't help much either. But again, that's outside their capacity. They, they can't demonstrate humility, so they're going to keep hectoring and scolding, and uh, it won't make a difference. You're not going to convince one single person that way. Not one. Um, and this isn't going to help either. From the Daily Mail, it says, L.A. County's reinstated indoor mask-wearing mandate went into effect today as the Indian Delta variant threatens to halt progress across the coronavirus across the country, against the coronavirus across the country. The spread of the highly contagious strain, which originated in India, has already pushed new infections up to 26,000 nationwide, an increase of 69% on a seven-day moving average compared to one a week earlier. Nearly every state witnessed a rise in infections in the last week, and CDC data shows the Delta variant is responsible for about 60% of these cases. The reinstatement of indoor mask wearing in L.A. came after the county saw a 700% increase in its positivity rate over the past month according to health officials, with the unvaccinated accounting for all hospitalizations. Well, if you're trying to push vac vaccines, this isn't helping either. Telling people they have to go get put their masks on again, that's not going to help. And yeah, we're hearing how cases are up and more and more, and even people who are vaccinated are getting the dreaded Delta strain. How? Let me ask you this. How many of the vaccinated people or the people who have immunity one way or another, even if it's from prior infection, of the immune people, how many of them are getting seriously sick from the Delta variant or dying from it? None? Is the answer like zero or, or very close to zero? Yeah, exactly. So what you're going to hear when this, with, this new, um, with this new attempt at pushing the COVID panic porn, they're going to drop... We know, we know for the last year and a half, it was nothing but they were telling us about deaths. They were telling us about hospitalization rates, people in the ICU, and so on. You're going to notice something. They're not going to be talking about that anymore. You're not going to hear much about deaths because there, there aren't a lot of deaths happening, thank God, right now. Instead, they're going to talk only about cases. And they're not going to mention that a great number of these cases are just really mild infections and not a big deal. Because they're happening in people who have already had prior immunity. All right, next. This is uh, also from The Guardian. A lot of British media today. Probably way too much. I didn't plan it this way, but that's the way it happened. Uh, it says, Britney Spears has refused to perform again while her father retains control over her career and said the conservatorship she has been under for 13 years has killed my dreams, in quotes. Her remarks in a lengthy Instagram post were the latest in a series of emotional public comments about conservatorship that controls her personal and financial affairs and which she has begged to be brought to an end. Uh, she wrote, quote, I'm not going to be performing on any stages anytime soon with my dad hand handling what I wear, say, do, or think. 
Um, and uh, also she uh, appointed a new lawyer to represent her in a bid to bring the conservatorship to an end. And she was allowed by a judge to appoint her own lawyer. You know, I haven't said anything about the Britney Spears story, even though people seem to care very deeply about it. My wife cares deeply about it. I was talking about to her about this on the way home from church yesterday. And because uh, she gives me the Britney Spears update like every night, even though I don't ask. But she's very invested in this story as well. And so I was talking to my wife about it and she was bringing up Britney Spears. And then, and then I, 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 as I often do, I pivoted every, the conversation back to aliens. Don't, don't ask how I made that connection, but that's what I normally, that's usually my move. If I'm not interested in a conversation, I'm just going to pivot it and say, yeah, but what about aliens though? Um, so I understand people care about this, but, but here, here's my general take on it. Two things. The one is, I, I'm not exactly sure why this case matters as, as much as it seems to matter to a lot of people. Even if she is suffering an injustice, which it sounds like there are many un- unjust things that happen to Britney Spears, uh, having an IUD forced on her, certainly I oppose that absolutely on moral grounds. But um, there are many injustices happening in the world and such intense focus has been placed on this. But I think more, more to the point, um, and I, I don't know how else to put this except, except this way, what if Britney Spears is actually insane, though? Like we, we seem to have ruled out that possibility. If she's, if she's actually insane, I don't know. I don't know what her mental health can, situation is. Um, but if she's actually psychotic or insane or something, then that's probably why the conservatorship was put in place to begin with doesn't justify everything that's been done under the guise of conservatorship uh, necessarily, but that's why it's there. So all the protesters who for months or years now, some of them showing up at the courtroom demanding, take the conservatorship off. Like, do you know something about Britney Spears' Spears's mental health situation that the people involved in this case, the judges and everyone don't know? What information do you have? Because what you're saying is, no, just take it off. But what if she really is not competent, is not able to handle her own affairs? Are, are you sure that's not the case? Are, are, is, this a, is this a protest against the very concept of a conservatorship? I mean, that's one thing. I wouldn't agree with that. I think they do have their place if someone is truly incompetent, truly insane, then that's the place. Again, it doesn't justify everything that is done under that guise. But in principle, that's why conservatorships exist. So that's my, that's my issue. I mean, I could think back, I, I, I haven't followed Bernie Spears that closely, but I could think back over the years, especially going back when, when, when I guess when the conservatorship was placed on her, it was pretty clear from the way she was acting in public that this is not a mentally healthy woman. And the sad thing is, it's not her fault. I mean, it's, it's not anyone's fault if they have mental health problems. And in her case, when you take someone at the age of 15 or 16 and you turn them into a a child star and you overtly sexualize them, as was done to her, then you're you're destroying them mentally, causing immense psychological damage. And we've seen this with almost every child star that's ever existed. Almost none of them turn out okay. 
So it's a tragic story, a tragic case, of course, not her fault, but even so, I think that that's, that's a question that seems to be sidestepped here. Oh, no, take the conservatorship ship off. Well, okay, but what, what, what do you know about her mental health? All right, finally, um, going back to uh, Britain yet again, but this is from the New York Post, at least. It says, American kids are binge-watching so much of the British cartoon Peppa Pig that they're developing English accents and ev- even using words like telly and ready, steady, go. The so-called Peppa effect had already led kids in the U.S. to mimic the star swine with UK-produced Peppa Pig, and all that extra telly time during COVID-19 restrictions appears to be making the phenomenon more widespread. Um, that's the claim, anyway, that kids are going around speaking with uh, British accents and using British words because they're watching so much Peppa Pig. Now, I have been, this might be a little bit off-brand, you might not expect this, um, but I've been a Peppa Pig apologist for years. I think it's a, it's a wholesome, wholesome show. There's no woke stuff, as far as I know. And I kind of dread saying that because I just know someone in the comments now is going to say, oh, no, 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 they just, they just had an episode with a transgender donkey last, last Sunday. As far as I know, there's no woke stuff. Wholesome show for kids. But my main thing is um, it's not aggressively obnoxious and loud. And almost every children's show, it's impossible to be in the same room with it because it's just loud noises, bright colors, in your face um, all the time. Really, really stupid and obnoxious. Most of the time, when we talk about children's television or children's entertainment, that's, that's a short way, of, that's shorthand for stupid, aggressive, obnoxious, and loud. And Peppa Pig is not that. So of, of all the shows that my kids could put on, I'd say, okay, well, just put on Peppa. I can, I can be in the same room as it. Better than Paw Patrol or one of these other shows. But now I see that it's a plot by the damn Brits, um, a Trojan horse. It's revenge for 1776. They're, they're taking our children from us. It's like a form of kidnapping. So yet another thing that I thought was okay and safe proves not to be. Real tragedy. All right, moving on to reading the YouTube comments. Um, DNA Studio says, having Matt read my comment is like winning the lottery, but without the money. So it's like winning the lotto, except nothing like winning the lotto is what you're saying. You might as well say it's, it's, it's a buffet, but without the food. Isn't the money the whole point of winning the lottery? Winning a lottery and then finding out that there's no money would be, dis- would be a, a great disappointment. And so what you're actually saying is that me reading your comment was a huge disappointment. You're banned from the show. Austin says, uh, the only language that's violence is Matt trying to pronounce crayon. There are lots of comments about my pronunciation of Cran. Once again, I am discriminated against for my Baltimore accent. Okay, this is the way we say the word. Once again, I am meant to feel unsafe and unwanted on my own show. How do you want me to pronounce it? Crayon. Hey, kids, get your crayons off the couch. Is that what you want? Crayon. Is that what you want? Sorry, getting a little... Speaking of aggressive... Crayons probably aren't, aren't worth this much energy. Uh, Florida, sa- Florida Politics Central says, Matt Walsh a day keeps the lefties away. Got to fact, ch- check, fact check you on that also, because listening or to or certainly sharing anything I say uh, will not keep the lefties away. 
I still want you to share it, but fair warning. That's not going to do it. Uh, the good Texan says, I don't use the word cis male or cis female because I don't like to marginalize normal people. Well, I, I think you, you, you say that slightly tongue in cheek, but that is exactly the point of those terms. In fact, that is, that is actually what those terms do. And that's why I don't use the terms either, unless I'm quoting somebody. But that's the point. We call someone a, a biological, a, a man who acts like a man and identifies as a man. We say he's a cis male. And the idea is to make being a normal man just one variety. One variety uh, a, a, among a whole cornucopia of, of legitimate varieties. That's the idea. Now, being a cis male, that's not a variety or a type or an option. Everyone is a cis male in the fact that every man is a cis male in the fact that you're, that's just what you are. There's no other option. Um, Dylan says, sweet baby gang is now trending up on Google. Good job not talking about it, Matt. Uh, it is trending on Google. That's good news. And also uh, the petition. I haven't, last I checked was a few days ago, but I think we're up to a thousand, over a thousand now. I'll have to look again. Certainly over a thousand signatures on the Sweet Baby Gang petition. Uh, this is this is one of the most inspiring grassroots movements that I've ever been a part of. The Sweet Baby Gang. You know, together we can work wonders. At least we can get a t-shirt on sale. Hopefully. We'll see. It's no secret that uh, trust in the media has reached an all-time low. You keep thinking it couldn't get any lower, and somehow it does. And that's because of all the lies, the misinformation, uh, propaganda, fake news that you get. Yet somehow, the media continues to dominate the conversation. That's why we're bringing you an alternative news podcast to start your day. From the Daily Wire's newsroom comes Morning Wire, a daily news show that uh, values your time and the truth. Brought to you by Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief John Bickley and co-host Georgia Howe. Morning Wire will wake you up with the latest developments in politics, sports, culture, and education, all with a heavy emphasis on the facts. It's available today, so subscribe now to Morning Wire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a second of it. And also, i got to tell you that next Tuesday, July 27th, is the release of Ben Shapiro's newest book, The Authoritarian Moment, and it'll be a huge event because Ben will be doing a live stream book signing next Tuesday. So pre-order your signed copy now at dailywire.com slash ben. When you do, you'll be asked to type in a question at checkout. Then you can catch Tuesday's live signing to see if he answers your question, and you can watch him sign your book right there on the spot. So get your copy at dailywire.com slash Ben right now so you don't miss out. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. If there's one thing that really uh, turns our media on, it's the extinction of the human race. Our media is, perhaps more than anything, anti-human, at least anti-most humans. As far as humans go, they like themselves and believe that they themselves should continue existing. It's all the other humans, especially future generations of humans, that they aren't so sure about. And that's why the media is always eager for any excuse to celebrate the so-called child-free movement. Uh, on that end, here's an article, a recent article from Today.com. It says, Laura Lavoie knew all her life she didn't want to have children. Now 46, she never felt that draw, she said, part of, part of a growing U.S. population opting out of parenthood. A new study finds child-free people are as happy as parents, with the authors surprised by just how many men and women indicated they didn't want to have kids. It's part of a larger trend of Americans having fewer children in general. The U.S. birth rate fell to a record low last year, and there could be um, 300,000 to 500,000 fewer births in 2021, according to some estimates. 
For Lavoie, there were many reasons to choose to be child-free. Quote, the most important is that I just don't want to raise children. It's not just, it's just not something that has ever appealed to me. I don't want to be responsible for another human being in that way. Lavoie, a writer who lives in Asheville, North Carolina, told today, but I also really like traveling. I like adventure. Never sitting in the same spot for very long and just kind of lifestyle things that don't really fit with having a child. Well, yeah, there's a word for that. It's called being superficial and materialistic and selfish. So that's three words, I suppose. It'd be a lot easier and get to the point much quicker if these people would just say that. Say, I'm materialistic and selfish and that's how I want to live my life. Also, I must note here, you're not an adventurer because you spend thousands of dollars to go to different tourist spots around the globe. You want an adventure? Take four kids to the grocery store, okay? Adventure awaits right down the street if you do that. That qualifies as an adventure at least as much as flying down to Cancun and drinking $27 cocktails in a tourist resort. Now, the Cancun trip may be more relaxing, I admit, but I'm just tired of these childless couples acting like they're exploring the Amazon, bragging about their adventures when they're being herded like cattle from one tourist spot to the next. Anyway, back to the article. It says, her husband feels the same way, she said. Um, They've been together 26 years and both agreed they didn't want to have children. They've discussed it over the years, but knew the answer would always be the same, she noted. Over a quarter of adults, 27%, identified as child-free in the new study. 27%. Um, the, the number dramatically exceeds previous estimates of 2 to 9% reported by earlier studies, the authors said. More than a third of child-free people, 35%, were in a partnered relationship, suggesting couples who don't want children, quote, represent an important type of family, they added. Do they, though? I mean, if you get married and choose not to have kids, your family really isn't important in a broader sense. I mean, it's important to you, but not to anyone else. Your family of two could break apart any time and it would have literally no effect on society in the slightest. When you both die, after, after long, there will be no trace that you ever existed except for your headstone or that your relationship existed. Families with children, on the other hand, are bearing the weight of the future on our shoulders. If our families break apart, the consequences to society are immense and catastrophic, as we've seen. If we stay together, though, and raise our kids well, we've bestowed an immeasurable blessing onto civilization. I can see how that qualifies as important. I don't see how Mr. and Mrs. Lavoie down in Cancun opting for nicer vacations and nicer cars rather than propagating the human species are doing anything important for civilization. Except by contributing to our civilization's decline, which I guess is certainly consequential, if in a negative way. Now, important to mention here also... um, The article in the study draw a distinction between so-called child-free couples and childless couples. Childless people are those who want children but haven't had them yet or can't have them for whatever reason. Child-free people are those who've chosen not to have them and not to adopt. So everything I'm saying here applies only to the latter, to child-free. People who want children but can't have them have been given a great burden, and uh, I I feel sorry for them. The good news is that their desire for children shows that they're not self-centered. And and they have a giving heart. And that's the pain when you're childless and don't want to be, um, that you have a giving heart and you're not self-centered and you want to pour this love into a family, but you can't have one for whatever reason. Um, But as I said, the good news is that 
they'll find in other ways to contribute to society, to society and to make a positive impact. Because that's what selfless giving people do. The people like the Lavoys are a different story completely, and that's who we're talking about here. And as far as they go, I think two points should be made. First of all, um, it doesn't make sense, or at least doesn't convey very much, to say that child-free people are just as happy as parents. Only parents can really say whether happiness increases upon becoming a parent. So if you want to know that, you got to talk to parents. They're the only ones who can attest to it. Because they've experienced life as non-parents and as parents. They can testify to that experience. But a child-free person, by definition, has not experienced parenthood, doesn't know its joys, and cannot know what they're missing. As someone who myself has experienced adult life both with kids and without them, I would say that my happiness, you could look at it this way. My happiness cup may have been you know, nearly full before I had kids. But when I had them, the cup itself grew larger. So there was a a greater capacity now for happiness. What I mean is I may have been mostly satisfied with my life before kids, but that's because I didn't know about the deeper and greater joys that were available through parenthood until I had experienced them. The other thing about the happiness of family life is that you can access more and more of it as you grow in virtue yourself, which means that as far as my case goes, there's a whole lot of happiness that I myself have not yet accessed, you know, because I'm still working on the virtue part of it. Um, But any selfish person can enjoy a vacation. And that's fine. You know, there's nothing selfish about vacations. Vacations are good. But the happiness you derive is easy. It's surface level. It's fleeting. That's what vacation is all about. You don't go on vacation to put in an effort. That's why vacation is there. The happiness of parenthood and of marriage, for that matter, is found, though, through service and sacrifice. This means you have to put in the effort to become a better person. And the reward is that you'll find deeper and deeper joy in loving someone else. Because the joy, there, there is a lot of joy in loving someone else, um, but it doesn't come automatically to most people. You have to learn how to find joy in that. On the other hand, if you get married and and you have kids and yet you remain a selfish, spoiled, self-entitled brat like so many people do, then you'll be just as miserable in family life as you were before. And over time, you'll be quite a bit more miserable. And and there are people, I'm not going to deny that these people exist, who will say that uh, sometimes quite openly say that they regret having kids. It's not common, but people talk about this. They regret having kids. They regret starting a family. And what you're going to find every single time with these kinds of people is that they are very selfish and immature and they never grew. They refused to grow. They thought that the joys of parenthood would just come raining down from the sky. They thought it it would be presented to them as easy as that $27 cocktail at the the resort. Someone's just going to hand it to them and they can sip from it and it's a nice, easy, relaxing thing. It's not. You got to work for it. You have to go get it. That's the best joys in life. You, you, have to, you, have to, you have to make your way through pain and suffering to get to them. And then once you're there, you know. Second point, though, finally, about this label child-free. Um, if you want to understand how grotesque this label is that the media uses casually, child-free. 
Well, just imagine how people would react if a father said that his children are all straight and described that as gay-free parenting. This is, I got a gay-free family. It's great. This is awesome. What if someone said that? He would certainly be admonished for describing gayness as a disease, you know, that you can be free of, like cancer. And yet that's exactly how we treat children themselves. Like they are disease that uh, we can be free of. When of course they're not. Um, and family life, life with raising children, immense happiness, immense joy, if you put in the work. And so, the child-free movement and the media that uh, promotes it because they're looking ultimately for the extinct- extinction of the human race, they are all today canceled. And that's going to do it for, for us today. And, and, you know, for me, I'm not only a parent of my children, but uh, also of all of you sweet babies. So the joy for me is infinite. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, editor-in-chief of The Daily Wire. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, a U.S. district judge alters the immigration landscape. The Biden administration calls on big tech to crack down on misinformation, and the Tokyo Olympics already faces a litany of issues. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.